Well, good morning. Welcome. God is ahead of us today, isn't he? Wow. Uh, amazing worship, and uh, it's awesome what the Lord is doing. We are so glad that you are here, and as we get into God's Word, I'm going to be talking today about the, the problem with pride, and it's one of those things that, that when you're getting ready to talk about something like this, you realize, like, you've got your own stuff, and, and I just want to submit that to you. Like, all of us deal with pride at some level. And when we begin to understand the, the role that pride plays negatively in our world and in our own life, and we begin to realize that, that actually Jesus and, and his love represent a whole different way, it's not simplistic to actually say that Jesus and his love is the solution. It's actually a reality. That when we begin to understand and receive all of who Jesus is and even follow him in the ways that he lived and led, it changes us and it changes those around us. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, it says this. You could turn there with me. We'll be spending quite a bit of time in, in John 13 today. But in verse 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Being loved, love itself is one of the most powerful forces on earth. And that love is meant to flow through you and I as Christ followers to others. I want to start with a couple of questions today. One, do you know how much you are loved? You see, if we're going to be known by our love, a love that Jesus gives us, a starting point is then to, to say, do you actually understand how much he loves you? This unconditional love that Jesus offers to you, that's available to you, that there's nothing you can do to earn it. You just have to receive it. I want you to sit in that for a minute. Do you actually know how much you are loved? Who is quiet? Y'all got to wake up, talk back church. You're welcome to, you know, even just sneeze. I don't know. Okay, there's an amen. All right, to the sneezing. So we are a sneezing church today. I love it. Second question. Are you loving as much as you're loved? That's the follow-up, right? If I know how much I'm loved, I can't help but love in the same way. As we look at this, I want to just submit to you that both of those questions often find a blockage called pride. So let's define pride today. As we get started, the word pride, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, it's a feeling of pleasure and satisfaction that you get because you or people connected with you have done or done something good. Okay, that's, that's kind of where some pride can come from. Secondly, to feel very pleased about something or someone you're closely connected with. So you can have pride in a relationship or in somebody else in your life. Thirdly, your feelings of your own worth and respect for yourself. Now, those first three are, are in many ways a healthy pride as long as it doesn't lead into the fourth 
aspect. Look at this. It says, the belief that you are better or more important than other people. Ooh, church. That's where pride takes a significant turn. Pride is, is thinking more of ourself than we should, and also thinking more often about ourselves than we should. You want me to say that again? Pride is thinking of ourselves more highly than we should, and often more often than we should. So if you're the only person on your mind throughout a day, you might have a pride problem. <laughs> All right? So this is what pride is. And pride is something that, that gets us into trouble. There's a real problem with it. Let's look in the book of John in, in the area we've been. We'll be in chapter 13, but, but last week, Pastor Nate did a phenomenal job, didn't he? did an awesome message. And uh, it, as he was in that message, there was a couple of verses that really stood out to me that I think also illustrate this problem of pride. And I want to start there, actually. So go back to Proverbs, or not Proverbs, John chapter 12, verse 9. It says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews we're going away and believing in Jesus. So if you're taking notes today, the first fill in the blank, uh, you can find these on pathwayvb.com slash FYI, that's where our notes are. Uh, the first fill in the blank is pride is the root of all sin and sin produces irrational behavior. You see, what was happening there is a guy named Lazarus that we've heard about over the last couple of weeks who was sick and died and literally would have been you know, to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord. He's in the presence of God. Can you imagine being Lazarus? He's in heaven with God for four days. And then, you know, I just imagine him like relaxing, enjoying what wholeness and peace and joy looks like. And then there's that, hey, Lazarus, uh, don't know how to tell you this, but uh, we're going to send you back. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Because actually Jesus raised him from the dead and, and he came back. Now, talk about a guy that's dealing with some stuff. He dies, he goes back, and now they want to kill him again. Why do they want to kill him? Because of pride. It created this irrational behavior that they realized if people see Lazarus alive, they're going to believe in Jesus. Therefore, we need to kill Lazarus. Extreme example, but pride causes irrational behavior even today. Even in us wanting to limit or maybe even deny some of what God can actually do. Let me just give you some funny examples of how pride can cause irrational behavior. Uh, these are actual lawsuits in the last 10 or 15 years in America. I've got three stories. You won't believe this. Okay, you ready? Uh, a woman named Amber in Pennsylvania was awarded $113,000 from a Philadelphia restaurant when she slipped on a floor wet from a soft drink and broke her tailbone. How did the floor get wet? She had thrown the soft drink at her boyfriend 30 seconds prior. Okay? Okay. 
irrational behavior, can't own it, I'm going to sue, and she gets $113,000. Don't get any ideas today. (laughs) Second one, Kathleen in Austin, Texas. She received $780,000 of medical expenses for tripping over a toddler in a furniture store. The toddler was hers. Pride causes irrational behavior. And this next one, Merv in Oklahoma City, he, was a, he had bought a Winnebago, and he received $1.7 million because he had turned on cruise control, gone back to the back to make a cup of coffee, <laughs> ruined the Winnebago, right? Sues, he gets not just 1.7 million, but they gave him a new Winnebago, and then they put in the manual, do not leave your seat while it's on cruise control. Okay, these are like extreme, but these are true stories. When we can't own our stuff, pride causes irrational behavior. Anybody, can you say Amen. And when we look at that in our own life, hopefully it wakes us up because the next piece is looking at how does Jesus show up entirely different in our life? How does he show up humbly and with love and and serve? And how does he tear down walls of pride? Let's look at it in John 13, verse 1 and 2. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that this hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew what was ahead. He knew how awful things were going to be for him, but he still was not bound by pride or by himself. He was willing to think of us and to think of others, even though he was facing death and a brutal death at that. Verse 2. During supper, this would have been the Thursday before Jesus' death. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, this is the setting, this is the context, this is the place that we begin to see how the problem with pride is dealt with. If you're taking notes, the second point is pride opens the door to the devil's influence. Pride opens the doors to the devil's influence because pride tempts us to believe that we know better than God. That in fact, I think I have a better plan, I know better, so I'm going to begin to do what I want to do. Judas, it said, was tempted and and the Satan entered in. He enters into the situation through this open door because if you know Judas' story, you know he was already upset about how Jesus was living and leading in the community. He was upset about how people's offerings were being used. He was upset about how Jesus was healing and delivering people in ways that that maybe he thought there was a better way to benefit from it. Judas, in his pride, was incredibly greedy. And it's interesting that for him, the problem with pride led from that starting point of I know better than God to he became very greedy. The Gospels would reveal that. 
And, and then in the end, uh, spoiler alert, right? Like what happens to Judas? He ultimately betrays Jesus, gives up on any ability for forgiveness, reconciliation, anything else. Satan has so entered into that door through pride that he commits suicide and ends his life. Pride is a problem. And it has a tragic effect on our lives. Pride opens the door to the devil to influence us in ways that we may be not even aware of. But here's the thing. When we become aware, God can do something. When we begin to see that actually by, by dealing with our pride and also recognizing that the enemy will subtly whisper, he'll subtly bring lies to us, and that we can make a choice on what we listen to, it makes a huge difference. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6. I, I want to give you a little hope here. Here's, here's what it says. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Say power. Divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. Say every thought. Every thought. This is so key to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. You see, there's thoughts and things. Judas was not able to deal with them. Satan entered in because he could not deal with these thoughts and things that were happening around him. But you and I, because of the power of God, we can recognize the enemy trying to feed us with lies, whether they're coming through news, social media, or even the things that we're ingesting in conversations with other people that could be in your home, that could be in the church, that could be in your community, your neighborhood, your workplace. It happens. Can I get an amen? And what Jesus is, I believe, wanting us to know and to hear is there's, an, there's another way. Like, we don't have to give in to that influence. We can actually hear from the Lord and take those thoughts captive. There's an amazing example. I was reading a book this week, and it shared about a woman named Corey Ten Boom. Some of you will have heard of her. Many of you know who she is. There's a whole generation that doesn't know Corey's story. Corey passed away in the 80s, and she actually, coming out of World War II, was used by God in incredible ways because her and her family had been uh, imprisoned in a Jew, uh, as Jews in a Nazi concentration camp. They had been brutally tr uh, treated there. Her father had passed away in the camp. Her sister Best Betsy had passed away. And as she came out of that, she encountered the love of Christ. There was a door for the devil that, that she was in that proximity. She faced it. And then as she walks out of it in Christ's love, she begins to be used by God to transform because she was humble enough to share what God had really done. In one of those stories, she shares, tell him I said hello. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you take a call in here, you're going to get called out. <laughs> Sorry. Whoever it was, you're loved. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, so there's this moment with Corey, okay, where, where she actually is sharing very really how she was facing these thoughts that she had to take captive. Let me read it to you. It's, it's brief, but it's worth hearing. 
She says, it was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man, this was the security guard, who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had, had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy, who was her sister, pain-blanched face. She had it all flooding back to her. She said, he came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. This man, the security, former security guard, said, how grateful I am for your message, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people there about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. I love her honesty. She said, even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile, she said. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. I want to pause here before I tell you what happened next. You see, pride at times can be a blockage between us and the Lord. She's humble enough to say, God, I cannot. I'm not able to forgive. I'm not able to get over these thoughts. I'm not able to deal with this. Lord, help me. If we will be honest and open, God can do something. As I took his hand, she says, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arms, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. So I discovered, she says, that this is not on our forgiveness any more than our goodness. That the world's healing hinges, but on him. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command the love itself. Jesus is able, if we set aside our pride, his love if you're taking notes, is unconditional and serves whoever is in his pathway. Notice what happens next, verses 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it to his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Can you picture? There's the, a meal, there's a setting, and Jesus gets up from that meal. He picks up what would have been the lowly servant's job to, to grab a bowl or a basin. He grabs a towel. It was wrapped around him and ready to be used. As he did that, every eye would have, been trans would have been fixed on him. You see, they were already seated, and in that day and age, the lowest of the servants should have been the one that would have washed everybody's feet, including their king, their messiahs. But, but nobody had done it. Pride was somehow in the room, right? The, the disciples had not done what Jesus had told them to do, which is to, to not take the greatest seat, to serve, to love. 
And so here's a moment where, where actually he sets aside his own pride. He sets aside anything that had happened, and he actually begins to go around the room and wash their feet. Now, can you picture the tension that might have been there? Because they're realizing that's their, their leader. That's their king. That's the one we follow. And here he is walking out among them in a way that would have left them probably very uncomfortable, wondering what's he about to do. As it happens, he actually begins to kneel down and humbly wash their feet. As he's washing their feet, there is no indication in Scripture that he didn't also wash Judas's. The one who would betray him Can you imagine what that would be like to love and to have that flow so freely that you know this individual is about to betray you to death? He is your enemy on earth. But I trust the Father. I trust what he's going to do, and I'm going to love, and I'm going to serve in this way. This was an incredibly powerful moment, not just for them, but likely even for us as we think about, like, what would that have been like? Like, can you imagine if I, if I walked up to you right now and said, hey, I want to wash your feet? What would your response be? I can only imagine, right? Some of you might kick me in the face. I don't know. <laughs> but here, here's what Jesus is modeling. He's modeling that there's a love that is willing to serve. There's a love that is meant to flow to others humbly even when they don't deserve it. There's a story that's gone viral over the last few weeks. Uh, came out of Austra- uh, South Africa. There's actually a, a gentleman who was the leader of the Satan, Satanists in South Africa. And, and this man encountered in a TV, TV interview a reporter who showed him unconditional love And was willing to serve him even when he was being a bully. And the impact that that love and that service had had on him. Her getting over her pride. Her getting over her defensiveness. Because she's human just like us, right? Being willing to love and serve him has transformed his life. And the story has gone viral. I want to show you just a two-minute clip of him sharing the impact of that kind of love, that unconditional love. Let's play the clip. And in this interview, I said, I don't believe that Jesus Christ exists. And after the interview, this lady came to me and she hugged me and she held me in a way that I've never been loved. I saw this woman is a Christian. I've never had, I've never experienced a Christian showing that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After that interview, I had a meeting with council members at that at the church and they said okay great now we've done all these interviews and people know and it's growing satanism is growing and believe me people it is and i had to do a ritual by myself to see how do i get more more power more influence and i did this ritual and i opened myself up and jesus appeared and i was extremely cocky and i said if you are jesus You need to prove it. And he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy 
and I recognized it immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. That's how I recognized the love of Christ immediately because four people showed it to me and I didn't understand it at the time. I couldn't understand it because, like I said, I didn't believe. Even when I was in Christian ministry almost 20 years ago, I never knew it until a month or two ago. The love of Christ is unconditional. When you experience it, it is something different. I have for a long time believed that I am not worthy of God's grace. Let me tell you something today. The kingdom of God is not a gated community. The kingdom of God is open to everybody. It's my prayer that you will, you will feel the love. I've, I, I pray that the peace of, of Christ will be with you. So powerful, isn't it? So powerful to hear what God's love can do. Again, the point I'm, I'm making there is Jesus' love is unconditional and it serves whoever is in his pathway. As he does that, as he serves the disciples and Judas, notice what happens next in verse 6. It says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what, am I, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. If you're taking notes here, pride's antidote is surrender to Jesus. Pride's antidote is surrender to Jesus, and Peter is faced with a moment. He's faced with a moment of, will I surrender to what Jesus wants to do in my life right now? Will I get my pride out of the way? Will I allow Jesus to do what he wants to in my life and through my life? It was actually this past week that I had a, a moment with one of our staff members, Pastor Nate, as he comes up here and joins me. We're meeting in my office, we're talking about this message, and you know, I, I'm just feeling led that, that we actually need to, to wash feet as a part of what Jesus said. And so in that moment, I, I asked Nate, I said, hey Nate, um, would you be willing to, to let me wash your, your feet on Sunday to kind of demonstrate and create a moment where like it's genuine it's not a performance and you need to know like none of this has been rehearsed we are not doing a performance because on that day he looked at me what did you say uh i just said <clears throat> i can't have you wash my feet without me washing yours first and it was just uh it's hard to, to really put into words to be honest what did you observe in that moment with me? <laughs> be, be honest. Like, let them let know what you saw. You're putting me on the spot, man. I am. I am. Uh, humbly, I would say that uh, as you and we had already been praying through the week about this message, 
humbly I'm going to say that I definitely saw pride come in. And I could tell it was not just pride, but it was just, am I willing to be so kind of lose control, maybe. (laughs) Lose control of being so vulnerable in front of, as you, as you already mentioned in the scripture, as the leader of this church, am I willing to be that vulnerable for someone to wash my feet, but also to wash my feet in front of us, that you're leading us? And it was, it's hard to put into words, really. Well, you did a great job <laughs> putting it into words. Uh, as, he, as he looked at me, he saw the wall of pride go up. And I realized I was being Peter. I, I was like, no, that's, that's what I do. I serve others. I love others. I, I extend to others. But I wasn't willing necessarily to consider receiving it. And so he said, well, will you pray about it? And, you know, kind of backed off of me a little bit. And I knew immediately, like, this is actually what the Lord wanted today. And there's more that God, I think, is going to do today. But this is, is a moment that helped me to see my own pride and the problem I had. And I'm confessing that because all of us have a problem with pride. And so, Nate, yes, I will let you wash my feet. As Nate does this, um, just think about what it would have been like to be in that room with Jesus and to witness something that they had not seen before. Their, their leader allowing that love to flow. With Jesus' blood and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. Thank you. The ancient sea. So Nate, thank you for loving me and pushing me in this way. Jesus' unconditional love is meant to enter into us in ways that when we surrender, when we allow him to move and work, um, it's meant to, to flow through us. And that's the last point I want to make. And, and here's the thing. You may, you may ask, well, that, that, especially if you're new to church, you're like, wow, that's weird. And he's still barefoot. I call myself a beach bum, so this is my moment. 
But seriously, there's this love that enters in when we surrender. And it's meant to flow through us. And that's the last piece. You're going to see that this wasn't meant to be just a one-time thing with, with Jesus and the disciples. If you're taking notes, Jesus' followers overflow with his love to others. In fact, verses 12 through 17, let me just read this to you. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. Christ's love, Jesus' love is meant to flow, overflow through his followers. And, and I believe that foot washing is one of those things that he said, hey, do this. But, but it may look different in, in how that plays out, right? Like the, the principle is bigger than the actual act. The act plays a role in bringing down the walls and dealing with our pride. But there's actually the bigger thing, which is when this happens, are we a people that will humbly love and serve others and allow Jesus' love to flow through us? Because whether you wash actual feet, maybe you wash hands or, or you serve, there is a world desperately in need of Jesus' love and what you're meant to bring to the table if you'll get pride out of the way. That, that actually this could transform marriages, this could transform relationships with kids and children, this could transform extended family relationships. Anybody else got some dysfunction in your family? Okay, if they're in the room, don't, don't look at them right now. Just stay focused. I'm, I'm, my eyes are fixed on Jesus, right? <laughs> I don't see them, but yes, Lord. Yes, there is dysfunction, right? <laughs> I, I mean, there is this, this reality that we're to be a people that are surrendered to his love and then overflowing with it to others, whatever that might look like. And that means that we'll probably have to set aside some stuff. We'll have to let go of some stuff to actually do what I just said, which is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Last two verses for the day, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, again, the root of all sin is pride, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, 
We let go of pride. We let go of sin. We let go of the things that are entangling us. And we find a joy and a freedom that we are meant to live with. And when we think about applying this today, these questions here to close are so important. One is, do you have a problem with pride? Like, honestly, do you have a problem with pride? What does God want to do with that today? Secondly, do you know Jesus' love for you? Because when we set aside pride and we say, Jesus, I need you, and that love begins to come in, it makes such a difference. And the third, is Jesus' love overflowing through you to others? See, he wants to use each of us in exciting and great ways. But there's a problem with pride that has to be dealt with in each of our lives. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to go into a time of response. During this time of response, uh, we're, we're going to sing a song. Uh, it's a worship song called Refiner. Jesus is a refiner. He wants to refine us. He wants to shape us and sharpen us to be more like him. And during this song, during any closing song, typically a pathway, we open up the altars, we open up space. Because at the end of the day, whether you like the message or not isn't as important as how you respond to whatever God is showing you. You see, there'll be Sundays you come in and you're like, woohoo! Love that. And there's other Sundays you're going to come in and go, yeah, it was all right. You know what I told our team this morning as we prayed? I said, my hope is to hit a single today and that the Holy Spirit will make it a home run. Because whatever you do in response to what God is showing you today is going to be whether or not those home runs are hit, right? That, the, that we're saying yes to Jesus. So during this song, you, you may have noticed we have some other tubs and towels on either side. We've actually reserved the front row as well all morning. And, and here's what I would submit to you, that maybe some of you during this song, God's tugging on your heart that there's somebody that you know and came with. Please make sure that that's the case or that you know them well. That God's saying, you need to humble yourself. You need to pursue love and forgiveness. You need to wash their feet or maybe wash their hands if they're more comfortable with that but at the end of the day we wanted to create space for that during this song and then after service today we also know that for some of you it may be that it's tonight or tomorrow or later this week that God says it's time and, and you need to do this and my prayer right now is just going to be that we get out we get the pride out of the way and we let his love flow freely. Amen. So let me pray over us and then you'll see uh, as we begin to respond that opportunity unfolding and inviting you in as well. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, Jesus, that you picked up that towel, that you then took up your, the cross, that your love is so unconditional and freely available. Father, forgive us for the pride that gets in the way. 
I pray, Lord, that in this moment and in the days ahead, we would root out pride out of our lives, out of the life of our church, that we would humbly follow you, allowing you to do whatever you want to do, to be surrendered to you and your will. So Jesus, thank you that you love us more than we could ever imagine and that you want that love to overflow through us. Bless this time of response. I pray for your presence. I pray for relationships in this moment and in the days ahead that would find forgiveness and would serve one another in new ways. Thank you for the example that you set for us. And forgive us for our pride. In Jesus' name, amen. You may stand, let's worship, let's respond. The altars are open, the tubs are available. Let's let God lead.
thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this room. We thank you, Father, for what's happening in our hearts. God, we just invite you, your humble, loving, unconditional spirit to continue to well up inside of us, to overflow through us as we prepare to, to leave, God. May we walk with you in new ways. Thank you for helping us deal with the problem of pride. We thank you for all that is happening and all that is ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're still in the front row washing feet, continue. The band will continue to play. If you're here and you still would like to, they'll continue to play and you can come up and, and do that. As we get ready to dismiss, uh, if you're a new person, uh, just know that uh, we as a team talk. This is the first time I've ever seen this in a Sunday service. Anybody else? Okay, we just felt like this was the way the Lord was leading. And so we want you to know like, man, we, we love Jesus to our core. And we're gonna follow him in the days ahead. And we would love for you as a visitor to be a part of that. So if you're new, out through those doors, we have a welcome center, we have a gift for you, and we would love to welcome you. For everybody else, as we get ready to go, feel free to stay to be a part of what's happening or to connect with one another and to just share what God's doing in your heart. Don't feel like you have to leave quickly, amen? Father, thank you again. Bless and be with each person. As they follow you, I pray that we would each deal with the problem of pride in our life and that we would follow you humbly, serving you and one another. May we love you and love all people in our pathway. May we be known by our love for you and one another. May we be the church you've called us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.